Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. It is a delight and honor to have you listening to this episode. I want to start with an apology to those who were with me at the Faith BCTC. That's a Faith Biblical Counseling and Training Conference that takes place every February in Lafayette, Indiana. I was there last week, and, and one thing I like to do periodically at conferences is to get input from the people who are attending the conference. So I interviewed a handful of people, just short, quick questions. Some of you have heard those episodes before, and I told those people that the podcast would be released soon, but my recording equipment died partway through, and I was only able to get a few of those, not enough for a full episode. So what'll happen is I'm going to release those later. I'm going to do the same thing at a different conference and then just kind of double them up together, put them all out in one episode. So if you were with me in Lafayette, Indiana last week and are looking forward to hearing your voice on the podcast, you're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. Apologize for that. Today's episode is an interview that I did with Scott O'Malley. And Scott is the executive director of 12 Stones Ministry, a wonderful ministry that you're going to get to hear about in this podcast. He started in 2007 at that ministry. Scott is a ACBC certified biblical counselor. He is married to Tara and they were married in 1992. They have eight children and I had a wonderful conversation with Scott. I get to meet him and talk to him periodically at different conferences and uh, just love their ministry, excited about it and hope that you will be encouraged by what you hear and maybe even motivated to uh, consider ways that you could contribute to or partner with or work with 12 Stones or a a like-minded ministry. Thanks so much again for being a listener to this podcast, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Scott O'Malley, thanks so much for being with us today on 1514. Would you take a second and introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Uh, My name is uh, Scott O'Malley, and I am the executive director of 12 Stones Ministries. Uh, We're a biblical counseling ministry, intensive counseling, biblical counseling ministry in Brown County, Indiana. And I've been working here since 2007. And it's been a great privilege to be here. And uh, my wife and I have been married now for 29 years, and we have eight children, uh, one of whom is adopted. Um, Our children age and range in age from our adoptive daughter is uh, 37, and then our birth children are 27 down to 10. Wow, that's quite a quite a spread you have going there, and that that'll keep you busy. Uh, But you've been with 12 Stones since 2007. uh, we'll get into its history and starting at the beginning, but start by telling our audience where the name comes from and why is the name significant to what you do? Yeah, so 12 Stones, um, is a, this, the name comes from the story in Joshua chapter 4. So if you uh, look up that story, you can uh, see the origins of that. Uh, when Garrett Higby, our founder, was in the process of planning and praying and moving towards this direction, there was a sermon Uh, at his church on Joshua chapter four. And he felt like that was the perfect name. And just the idea of the, the importance of the fear of the Lord and that the hand of the Lord is mighty and for people to know that. And uh, so that's the story. That's where the name comes from. The Israelites were encouraged to, or called to erect 12 stones so that the people walk by would see what happened here. And we have uh, 
lots of memorials uh, by God's grace uh, over the years of helping people see that the hand of the Lord is mighty in very difficult situations. Oh, that's wonderful. And you, you started telling us a little bit about how it began. You mentioned Garrett and its, its founding, but how did 12 Stones get off the ground? Yeah, so Garrett Higby was a counseling pastor at College Park Church uh, in Indianapolis, and uh, he had previously, along with another, the co-founder, Rob Basosa, they had both worked with troubled teenagers and, and another ministry and dreamed of someday starting a ministry to help whole families. Because when you work directly with children, uh, you're helping a child and then you send them back into often an unhealthy home and that undoes all the work you did with the child. And so I was very ironically or interesting providentially uh, I was working the same kind of work, working with troubled kids as well, and longed to help people in a, f- a fashion. So when I met them and heard their story, I was so excited to join in. Um, but but back to the uh, origin there. Uh, so Garrett was a counseling pastor at, at College Park Church, and he began to pray and dream and had a group of people who were really supportive, and they had lots of prayer uh, leading up to uh, the launching of the ministry in 2004 and College Park eventually launched uh, uh, 12 Stones. So Garrett and Rob left the working at College Park and, and launched uh, 12 Stones here in Brown County in 2004. And what kind, of, what kind of services does 12 Stones provide? How is it different than what many people might be used to? Yeah, the main difference, uh, there's a couple of main differences, but the first one would be that we're an intensive counseling retreat. So people come away, they leave their home community and they receive about 16 or 17 hours of counseling condensed into a three-day period of time. So that's that's unique. Uh, the second part that's unique is that we um, we actually uh, have advocates. That's somebody from back home has to come with them. And so they sit through all of the counseling, observe everything. And then we, as we work through the time together, we send them home with a plan. And that advocate then meets weekly with that person after our three days to um, solidify the changes and allow that change to take root uh, back in their home community. And then uh, perhaps the other part is uh, that goes with intensive counseling is uh, we listen for a really long time before we actually offer counsel. Um, so we're listening to a person's life story, typically for a good three hours uh, minimum before we actually offer counsel. So that maybe is uh, more than most people would do. Um, but so those would be kind of the, the, the distinctives uh, that we have of the lengthier time, the advocates, and then the listening for a really long time. Yeah, and I would I would think too, just the idea of getting away from life in general. I think that's the idea of the retreat, part of the idea of the retreat too. And I know Brown County, I've visited there. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And I know having heard Garrett talk about it and others that you can get out into uh, creation with the counseling and, and go for walks and other things like that. So uh, I think that's a a bonus and a, <laughs> and a unique thing that you guys do there. You start at you. Yeah. If I could, if I could expound on that really quick, just the idea, I do think that uh, the idea of getting away is really, really important and helpful because the people we're working with are typically have gone to counseling or even numerous counselors and they're really stuck. And so getting them away from the problems, the challenges, the daily challenges uh, of home life and just, kind of like when you go away to a conference, right? There's a time to pull away and you really focus in on what you're learning. And these people are able to pull away, not have to go home in the evening and, and deal with uh, another conflict or whatever. They've got advocates present. And so it really does allow them to pull away and focus exclusively on the challenges before them and not have to uh, deal with the uh, uh, new challenges that come up every day in, in normal life. Yeah, no, that's definitely a benefit. And I know working with other ministries that have more, um, 
getaway focus time it is it's not a replacement for but it can be like a, a big jump start or maybe you know if you wanted to use the analogy of uh regular care and counseling is kind of like going to your doctor <laughs> uh and then every once in a while maybe you have something come up where you need surgery and you've got to convalesce for a while and be away it's a yeah a definitely a, a beneficial format uh speaking of format you talked a little bit about it and you mentioned the hearing the life story but kind of walk us through the format or general flow that somebody might experience in one of these retreats? Yeah, there's basically, if you, uh, there's basically four phases uh, to the counseling, really. The first phase is the life story, the listening. Uh, we want to, we obviously believe very strongly in Proverbs 18, 13, a very common uh, biblical counseling verse for all of us. Uh, he who answers a matter before he hears it to him, it is folly and shame. And so we, we listen well, listen to understand, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the way I try to say it when I'm counseling people is I want to get behind your eyes and see life like you see life. And so that's an expression I try to use. So the person talking feels really heard and known and understood as kind of the first phase. Uh, then the second phase is untangling the story or reframing another way to say it, reframing the story where we try to get to the root of the challenges before the person understand kind of heart issues, heart themes uh, that really are leading to the difficulty uh, and then uh, the third phase then is responding from the scriptures and we open up the scriptures and we respond. What does God say about what we uncovered in the second phase? And then the final phase is to kind of develop a plan and send them home with their advocates so that the growth continues. We're, we're not interested in helping people get excited for three days and then going home and nothing is different. Uh, we really want to help them uh, lead to lasting change. And that's what we're after. So that's the fourth phase, kind of the homework and the assignments and practical application of the third phase. So we'll do a lot of teaching in the third phase, if you will, and, and explaining and foundational passages, for example, that would be helpful for them. And then we try to, what does that look like going home, living that passage out when you get home along with them, the homework that sends them home. So, so those are kind of the four phases uh, that we uh, work through. Yeah. And throughout the, throughout the retreat time there, you're walking them through these phases, but they also have, there are other elements that are involved too. I mean, obviously you're feeding them, uh, I hope, well, unless they're fasting retreats, maybe. Uh, but <laughs> no, no, they're, they're <laughs> what else do you have them do? Cause I know there are some elements there that are designed to help them settle in, you know, set aside and focus. So what, what else can the, can somebody expect if they were to go to one of these retreats? Great. Yeah, great question. So first thing, when you first come in uh, to the cabin uh, the night before the counseling begins, uh, we have a welcome letter with some devotional content, some kind of devotional reading of some sort uh, to kind of just settle their hearts, prepare their hearts, fix their gaze, if you will, uh, heavenward. And uh, that would be a place for that. Uh, that's a beginning place. Uh, and then each evening on the first and second evening, there's homework assignments that that kind of foster, you know, depending on where you're at. So after the first phase of the um, counseling with the listening to the story, there's there's an uh, usually an article or something that we would provide that would really help them to examine their motives. Uh, the Ed Welch's article motives is a, is a key one that we use often. Um, and then the second evening, there's another assignment that is directed toward what we've uncovered in the second day that, that then they interact with their advocates around. So the advocates are very instrumental in the homework in the evenings, and the conversations uh, that keep keep the momentum moving forward uh, in our time together. So those would be some additional things that we're we're, we're uh, doing with them as yeah. well. No, it sounds really it sounds really great. the The idea of the advocate has come up multiple times, and I'm familiar with. I know what you're talking about, but some of our listeners might not know what that is. Uh, what is an advocate? 
what's their role? Why are they important? Yeah, it's a really, really important role. And we, we think a, a great deal of our success uh, in life change happens because of the advocates being present. An advocate is a friend from back home, a uh, same-sex friend from back home who's going to journey with you upon returning home. And so if we have a married couple that comes for counseling, another couple would come with them. Usually that other couple is a married couple. Sometimes it's an individual man and woman who come as well. But it's just a little easier when you have two households to coordinate and schedules instead of three after they leave. Um, however, the idea there is it's a godly person who loves the Lord, uh, who loves you as the counselee who needs help, and then they have some time to meet with you. We're asking for, we ask for a six-month commitment for them to meet with you on a regular basis, weekly, ideally, uh, for the next six months to solidify the changes that happen. And it's just an instrumental role uh, because when we leave in the evenings, uh, it's a lot of the times these couples are really in a lot of turmoil and lots of conflict, and they can help mediate them some of those conflicts. They can help keep the temperature manageable so we can keep moving forward with the things we need to work with. Uh, they also provide incredibly valuable insight because they know these people that are coming way better than I do. I'm meeting these people that I'm counseling for the first time, and I'm going to hear a lot of their story, which is a really, uh, a really good, a great privilege. However, they also know them in different ways and have different stories and and they can remind the counselee, hey, you forgot to mention this story when you were walking through your story. Hey, tell them about this. It just happened the other day. And so they they provide a great resource of information, but they also provide a great resource of encouragement and conversation during our time. And they're just invaluable uh, because of all the people that we see having these advocates follow up with them. We just don't have the bandwidth to follow up with all the people we work with to the full extent would be necessary. And the advocates play a vital role. And we think it's very biblical, obviously, Galatians 6, 2, the idea of bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. And so, so that's the heartbeat of it, uh, because we believe, of course, that uh, people grow best in community. And so that's, that's one of the ways we kind of force the issue and make people bring advocates. Yeah. And, and obviously with biblical counseling, we believe that care is going to be best connected to the local body and the church. And, and that's Absolutely. one of the ways that you guys are connecting people to their, to their faith community, to their church and helping them to grow in that. So, uh, we were talking a little bit beforehand that some of the, uh, the advocate plays such a vital role that sometimes it's a make or break kind of relationship as far as how the counseling goes. How do you equip the, the advocate to be a good advocate? Um, what do you do to help people choose a, an appropriate advocate for this role? Yeah. Yeah. If you went to our website, you would see there's an advocate manual that's there. So some material we've put together on our website for you to read to kind of just uh, uh, helpful information to kind of help you prepare to to understand what you're getting into as well as what we kind of expect would be part of it. Um, and the other thing that we're doing is while we're, while we're present, while they're present on campus, I should say, uh, we have, we'll have breaks as well as each morning on the second and third morning of our time together, we actually meet alone with the advocates. And so that's a kind of a coaching time as well as a gathering more information time. So we're listening. What concerns do you still have? What are you seeing? How did the conversation go last night with homework? So we're more equipped to go into the counseling time together 
but we also are kind of coaching them. Did you notice he said this? And, and we're trying to, and, and when these kind of things happen, this is what we'd like you to do. So there's a lot of coaching going on as well. And then the other part is even after the advocates leave, we are always available for the advocate. We do not want to take over the care. Uh, again, we support the local church and want the local church to do its job. And we want to see, we see ourselves as a, as a tool to be used by the local church to help equip them for these difficult cases. And so advocates are always welcome to contact us for more coaching and guidance uh, upon returning home. So we don't say you're done as soon as you leave. Uh, we really want to be available for them to continue that care and for them to thrive in their local community back home. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. And as we were just talking, we mentioned that these aren't people from your church. They're people you've just met. Uh, and your your website says since 2004, you guys have been able to minister over 2,300 people from 49 states and 21 countries, which is just phenomenal. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, but how do people, how are people finding you? Yeah, the vast majority of people, it's word of mouth. We don't do a ton of advertising. And so this is a great opportunity. So thank you again. Um, but, <laughs> You're welcome. But just mostly word of mouth. God is good and he changes lives. And when somebody's life has been changed, they talk about 12 stones. So when another hurting person in their community is hurting, they say, why don't you try 12 stones? And so that's, that's primarily the way. Uh, I think also pastors are familiar uh, somewhat familiar with us and, and Garrett travels around and does some teaching and mentions 12 stones a lot. So pastors hear of us. And then when there's a hurting person in their community, they think of 12 stones as a resource. And so mostly it's word of mouth that we've, we do, we do have a, a social media presence uh, as well. And uh, we obviously have our website so people can find us on Google if they're looking. Um, but those would be the main way. Word of mouth though is, is uh, certainly predominantly how people hear and we're just very thankful that God has been so gracious to allow us the privilege of helping so many people. And then word spreads when, when they get help. Yeah, no, that's great. I know there, uh, obviously people listening may uh, think of people in their lives that they should think should go to 12 stones, but also for counselors, you have some opportunities for counselors to participate in, in 12 stones as well. And a lot of our audience are counselors. So what are some of those ways that they could um, connect with you all, or maybe even participate or learn from you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we uh, offer an apprenticeship program. If you went to our website, again, there's a, there's a link there at the bottom of the page, scroll down to the bottom, you'll see an apprentice a page that you can read about. Um, and it's just a, it, it honestly came from a heart for me have, having been a, a well-trained biblical counselor with very limited experience. And my very limited experience with all that great training I had, I was not effective as a counselor. And it really took me being hired at 12 Stones and Garrett and Rob training me, watching live counseling was life-changing for my counseling and so I just wanted to replicate that, what I experienced. And so obviously I had a lot longer than what we provide. We provide a six-week apprenticeship where people can come and observe for six weeks and you get about a, a 96 hours to 100 hours of counseling observation when you participate. And you get to see everything that we do. You're, you're in the counseling the whole time. We have meetings with you on breaks and at the end of the day and after you leave and there's assignments to do, all of that to help equip you and prepare you to deal with the most difficult cases because that's what you face here. And so it's just a great opportunity to take people who have been well-trained, who have lots of schooling, who have lots of book knowledge, and see live counseling. I just don't think there's a substitute for watching live counseling and it will change my counseling. And I just would want to pass it on to the next generation who are trying to learn how to counsel effectively as well. No, I think it's really great. I know I've had students who've gone through the apprenticeship and it's been really helpful for them. Uh, like you said, to see, and the, the, 
the ability to see that much counseling in that short of a time is is really hard to come by because even if you were in a great church where you're shadowing a pastor or other biblical counselor to get a hundred hours of observation, it's going to take you quite some time. Uh, so yeah, be sure if you're interested in that to go online to the website and check it out. Tell people what is the website? I mean, obviously Googling 12 stones, but just in case there's some random knockoff out there. Yeah. org. but it's 12 stones spelled out with letters, not numbers. You'll get a rock band or something if you put numbers in there, but uh, if you spell it out, 12 stones, dot org uh, that'll get you right to our website absolutely now what uh we we've mentioned quite a bit in the format what you guys do how it's unique what do you think are some of the benefits of doing an intensive retreat counseling uh scenario with somebody yeah i think the primary benefit it's really interesting um the word that people use on the phone with us very frequently as they say the word stuck. It's amazing how often that word comes. And so that's really a, a phrase that we've kind of latched onto. When you feel stuck, when your counseling is not progressing like you would like, we would love for you to think of 12 stones. Um, if you're, if things are going great in your weekly meetings and you're progressing and the normal care of biblical counseling is working effectively, well, then, then, then 12 stones isn't necessary. Keep doing what you're doing. But if you find yourself stuck, not sure where to go, you've, you've exhausted your resources and what you know how to help them with, uh, we are an excellent opportunity to su- supplement or support, uh, what you're doing. And it really does help people to get away. I can't say that enough uh, to stop and get away. And, and then if you're that counselor and you want to come as an advocate, then you have the opportunity to observe how we work with them. And, and we all can learn from each other. So certainly uh, we, we think we can provide uh, training and help for those advocates who are coming. Um, and, but, but at the same time, just that idea of somebody feeling stuck and not making progress, this is a change of venue. It's a change of opportunity. It really does uh, force them to, to travel. So that all of those things make it a little bit more serious. There's some money involved. You do have to pay. There's some fees there. Um, but uh, so all of that together really does solidify uh, the seriousness of the matter. And it really does help people when they're stuck to get away. And we love to be able to help people in a sense, get unstuck and start heading in a new direction and finding that freedom that Christ offers. Yeah, no, it's, it's super helpful. And like you, you mentioned it before getting away from those daily distractions. I just, I have voices of a few few people in my head who've been to either 12 stones or other retreat oriented counseling situations. And they said, I mean, just not thinking about paying the bills or whatever. Cause if you think about what we're talking about sometimes with people, and then we just send them home right back into the normal grind and figuring out schedules and kids screaming at you and asking you all kinds of weird questions. It can be really jarring sometimes even to go straight from a, a counseling session and back to work or back to whatever. So I love it. I think it's a, a wonderful, wonderful help. Um, but it, I'm sh- it's not perfect either. So what are some of the maybe pitfalls or struggles that come with this format? Yeah. So I think the, the main challenges would be, we obviously don't know the person super well at first. And so if they're not honest, if they're not divulging their whole story, if they're there to just prove to somebody else that they came for help. Uh, obviously, that uh, is uh, something we can't control. Um, I think the other piece that's uh, concerning or challenging can be is if an, if the counselee doesn't pick a strong advocate. And, and we because we don't select the advocates because we don't know that community wherever they're coming from, 
uh, that can be a challenge. We're, we can work around it to a degree, uh, but I'm, uh, I can say with great confidence, the stronger the advocate, the higher our success, if you want to use that term, the change happens. And so I don't think it's just some magic bullet that happens at 12 stones, uh, but it's this idea of biblical care and, and loving people well and pointing them to truth, but then also having community back home. And so when we don't have strong advocates, that really does uh, hinder some of the counseling that we're able to provide. And we don't get uh, as, as much of the growth as we'd often like to see in some of those situations. And so we, we try to head that off, of course, by coaching them on how to pick a good advocate, but, but uh, obviously that, that doesn't always work. So that's probably a, our main concern. So I'm going to go off script a little bit because I, I thought of this question while we were talking and didn't really uh, didn't send it to you ahead of time. But I, I would imagine that because of the type of counseling you do and the word of mouth and other things, you've probably had people who are advocates coming back as, as people who needed counseling or uh, more people coming from particular communities uh, or churches or maybe even advocates saying, man, how do I, how do, I do what you do? Uh, any stories like that? Yes. Um, so lots of fun stories. Uh, so I'll tell one fun story. I had a young lady. Uh, she came. She was being counseled online. This is probably 10 years ago. She was being counseled online for an eating disorder by somebody, a woman in Indianapolis. And after the woman did everything she could and she wasn't getting help, she said, hey, I've heard of this ministry called 12 Stones. Why don't I go as your advocate and you fly across the ocean and you come here, stay in my house for a couple of days and we'll go to 12 Stones together. And um, praise the Lord, she did come. And I did. I was the counselor and was able to help her. And she made some significant progress. And she so loved her experience. She decided to go to Bible college to become a biblical counselor herself. Um, she, she got her bachelor's degree. She met her husband there. And, uh, I just talked to her, uh, I hadn't talked to her in a number of years, but I just talked to her a couple of weeks ago and she's doing fantastic. She has three kids and she is, uh, just thriving and doing really well. Um, she's just, she's not, uh, she's not in full-time biblical counseling or anything, but she benefited from the time is doing well in her marriage and life is good. And so that's just a fun story, uh, from a young lady from Germany. Uh, we've had a number of people who are who came as counselees who then come back as advocates. I love to challenge people at times. Hey, I hope you come back someday after you guys get your marriage in order. I'd love for you to see you again as advocates next time. And they usually kind of chuckle and think that's not possible. We're such a mess. And and then two or three years later, I see them as advocates and I remind them of what I said the last time they were here. And it's it's a fun celebration of what God can do when people are serious about following him. And that's a bunch of stories. I could, I mean, it's dozens and dozens and dozens of those stories. And then I think uh, another thing is just the privilege we have to, to counsel a lot of pastors um, who, who are struggling, who get the help that they need and they stay in ministry and they continue on. And I love those stories of people thriving and doing well uh, and, and oftentimes those become referrals. They send people from their church back to us because they've been there themselves. Um, so those are some fun stories of God at work. And, and, and there's many others, but, uh, but, but those would be a few. Yeah, no, that's incredible. That's great. And I know we, most of us who train in biblical counseling, when we talk about when to graduate or, you know, when to wrap up care, care and counseling, when you can see somebody beginning to take what they've learned and impart that to others, uh, they're, they're continuing that chain of discipleship. That's a great indicator that they're, they're growing, they're on the right track and, uh, and all that. So to see that in that intensive way is, is cool and rewarding too, I'm sure. 
Uh, well, we're uh, before we jump over to our two minutes favorite segment. If somebody wanted, to, uh, you guys are a nonprofit. I know you charge for counseling, but I know that also doesn't cover all of the fees. Uh, if someone wanted to support Twelve Stones financially, how could they go about doing that? Yeah, if they just go uh, right to our uh, website at 12stones.org, and then uh, when you're on the uh, homepage, there's a there's a button that says give. Just click on that, and you can make a donation. You can be a monthly donor, or you can give a one-time gift. Uh, we're, we're very excited about building our monthly donor base. Uh, in, in the early years of our ministry, God was very abundantly gracious with large donations to kind of seed the ministry and get us going. And, and as we've transitioned over time, we've really wanted to move away from depending on those large gifts. Of course, we always would love a large gift, but um, uh, but but we really want to be faithful to keep our costs down. And we haven't raised our price in a number of years. And we're not aware of another ministry that offers the amount of counseling we do for a lower price. And we're proud of that and want to keep it that way. And so we need monthly donors to keep our costs down. And so uh, we're very thankful for those monthly donors. We have uh, donors as small as $5 a month and up to uh, $1,000 a month. And and so, and everywhere in between. And so uh, we'd love for anybody that uh, who believes in what we're doing to help out on a monthly basis or a one-time gift. And uh, we're very thankful uh, because the fees we do charge cover about 56% of our budget. The other 44% is donations. And so uh, we we want to we, we really can benefit from monthly donors. Yeah, absolutely. So if the Lord lays on your heart to support Twelve Stones, jump on their website and and give there. We really appreciate that. Well, Scott, we are to the point uh, that I call two minute favorites. Are you ready for this? I am ready. All right. What is your favorite food? Chicago pizza. All right. Favorite stuffed pizza. The big 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 Giordano's would be probably the first choice. All right. Favorite color. Uh, red Favorite sport basketball Favorite sports team the chicago bulls especially when michael jordan was playing favorite gift ever received Favorite gift I ever received. I would just have to give you two really fast. One would be my clotter ring. My, my wife gave me a clotter ring for my birthday the summer before we got engaged. And then I have a poster on my office wall that says priorities. If you're, it's a well-known saying there, priorities 100 years from now will not matter what my bank account was, um, the kind of car I drove, or the sort of house I lived in. But the world may be different because I was important in the life of a child. Mm. And I uh, love that because that's why I got into counseling. I love kids. And the best way to help kids is to help their parents do it right the first time. And so uh, my counseling is really a heartbeat for a love for kids. And that that frame hangs in my wall uh, in my office. And I look at it often and just reminds me of why I do what I do. Favorite book of the Bible? Um, that's a hard one, but I'll, I'll, go with, uh, I'll go with the Gospel of John. All right. Favorite book outside of Scripture? Uh, Holiness by J.C. Ryle. All right. Favorite gift you've ever given? Um, my wedding ring, the, the wedding ring I gave to my wife, which is also a clotter ring, but I kind of had, I had it made, um, it was, a, originally a cubic zirconia. I had the cubic zirconia taken off and put a diamond in there. And then I had a handmade, um, um, uh, wedding, a band also. So it all fits together. And it was just a neat, uh, gift. I'm usually not very creative and I, I did good once uh, being creative, uh, for the first time. And that, that was a fun one that my wife uh, loves her wedding ring. And it was, it was a great uh, time and a thrill to give it to her. All right. Favorite candy. Favorite candy. I'd say York peppermint patty. All right. And that wraps up our time. So Scott O'Malley, thank you so much for being with us today on 1514. 
Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, appreciate all you're doing for the biblical counseling movement. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.